Welcome back, everyone, to Talk Shop Podcast. This is my fourth take on the introduction because I cannot pronounce my friend's last name. His name is Alex Simikalis, and he is a stockbroker here in New York. He's got a pretty cool story and found contentment in his life through just challenging himself and balancing work and lifestyle. The guy boasts over a $20 million stock portfolio, and I think this is relevant today because of how crazy the equities market went over the past year during COVID. Alex is also getting into rental properties, which is fitting for the Talk Shop podcast and any conversation with me, of course, as I love that industry. And I wanted him to just tell you, tell you guys a little bit about it, his stories and everything going on. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy this one and see you in a second. You are now listening to Talk Shop with Alan Evgi. Alex Simicalis. Very good. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. This is the Talk Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Alana Apke, and here I'm going to ask you uncomfortable financial questions. Fuck. And, so, uh, do I curse? You're allowed to curse. All right. I, I curse a lot, sorry. And uh, just more questions about everything in general, business-wise, the market, where you're at, what you do, etc. Uh, I invite on interesting people to the podcast, and you are one of those interesting people I wanted on. Oh, I, feel so pri- I feel privileged. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my friend. So talk to us a little bit. What does Alex Simicalis do? Tell us the story a little bit, how you got into it, where you're at. Talk to me. All right. So, 41, I started trading at Sasakaya in October of 07, right before the big financial crash. Um, prior to that, I was always chasing these commission jobs, which is, which that's my belief. I believe that you should never cap yourself and always get a commission-based job, not salaried, because your salaries you get capped. You can't, um, you know, your, your limitations are capped. So, uh, after being a stockbroker, selling um, whatever in insurance, why not? Uh, my brother was actually working here. He got me into the front door of a training program. The training program started for me, like I said, in October of 07. It was roughly 200 people between the first class that was one year prior to and my class total. So I walk in, don't have a college degree, and everyone in this room has like Ivy League degrees, so it's pretty intimidating. Um, so from that process, um, I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit, uh, there's from that training group of 200, there's actually only three of us left 14 years later. So, you know, everyone thinks that trading, especially nowadays when people are trading options and it's easy and quick money, but it's actually mentally draining more than anything. So a lot of people really can't hang it. I have the 200 people. I'm sure there's plenty of traders that could have made it if they had the, 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 like the mental aspect of it. Because trading in general, yeah, it's a skill. But more than anything, it's mentally draining. So, you know, there's points in that my 14 or 15 year career at this point where 100% of them left the business. Even after like, there was a point in eight years in where I really questioned everything. I'm like, I was having a really tough year. The year prior was just whatever. And I was still learning and learning. And I was literally like this close to leave because I was just, you know, pressure. I had two kids. I'm like, and this is my whole life was like, you know, I never wanted to take a salary job. 
but I might just have to just to know what I'm going to get on a month-to-month basis, week-to-week basis, support my family. Eight years in, so that's 2015. Yeah. So you didn't even want to quit during the crisis. So actually during the crisis of 08 was like the, the ridiculous training. So we do, I excel um, in volatile markets and, and, and also strong momentum markets because we do short-term trading. So I technically only trade for like 20, like position-wise. 24 hours or less. So typically, we make a majority of our money on the overnights, like setting up, looking for momentum plays, um, high volume, breaking out, um, news-based or not news-based. That's not my, one of my criteria. Typically, some people are, but I look for momentum. I look for volume um, and just certain setups that I, that I liked over the years. Um, and that's how we make a majority of our money. So yeah, in 08, when you had that crazy volatile time, when it was like, up, down, up, down. They hit these monstrous swings. Traders absolutely smashed it. Wow. So that's why in this previous physical year, uh, during COVID in March, was like the firm's sickest year since 08. It's the best year of your life, I'm going to guess. It was my best year by, yeah, quite a lot. Like 6X, 5X. Wow. Yeah, it was it was good. And then even last year was good too. It wasn't as good as um, 2020. Like this, because my year actually just ended in September, so our year goes from September to September. Okay. So the year of 2020 was ridiculous. It was an absurd year for every trader. I don't even know how many traders made a ridiculous amount of money, but quite a bit. I think there's like 50-ish short-term traders in my sector because we're broken down to quants, which the majority of the fund is in quants. Then you have uh, fundamental guys, and then you have us, which are short-term strategical guys. So you guys get a pool to invest from. Everybody Correct. gets a pool. Correct. Right? Yeah. So I'm trading. So I start. So I started in in uh, 07 October. Uh, I think it was either fifty or hundred thousand. I can't remember. Um, and then you, when the firm builds confidence, they give you capital raises, and then you can you trade whatever you want. Um, then you take, so at this point, I'm like. Whatever, $20 million to trade with at any point in time, intraday, overnight, or whatever. I really almost never get to that point because it's, you don't really ever have to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there's guys in there who are, but um, so yeah. From, and since oh, you're like a good producer, right, you get these crazy splits that you were telling me about another time. Yeah, so our payout, it, it, it's 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 definitely, for for what is out there, it's definitely so I get we get better than half, and it's no risk of my own capital. It's his capital. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can be happier, obviously. And I, you know, I work from my own. I'm, I'm basically my own boss. I don't have a dress code. I go to work and well, now I work from home. But when I was sweatpants, a hat or jeans, a hat, t-shirts, hoodie, and yeah, I leave. Um, well, we have, an, we have a city firm. We have a Long Island firm, a, a, a firm in Florida, and then overseas as well. They expanded. Yeah. So we're pretty big, uh, actually very big. But, um, yeah, so it's been a long ride. So like I was saying, like eight years into my career, I was still learning. And, you know, when I started off, our, our trainer of our group was um, only, we were only basically allowed to intraday trade. We weren't allowed to overnight Overnight, which is a majority of how all the traders make their money, I would say ninety-five percent. Um, 
so I didn't learn that aspect of the business. And it, you know, I was always a, a day trader intraday because that's how I was trained to learn and whatnot. So um, I had to learn eight years into kind of how to change my mind, my process, my thought process. I made some tough decisions. Um, and, it, and it all worked out. So, but yeah, it, it's definitely not the easiest job in America, that's for sure. But if you can figure it out, uh, it's definitely one of the best. Wow. So Alex, see, I have a problem. I like to hold everything typically for long periods sure. of time, right? So yeah. I buy, that's why I excel in rental yeah. properties. I buy them, I know what I'm looking at, I hold on, I add my value. Absolutely. And it takes time. So you're talking about a lot of intraday trades and Correct. stuff like that. Talk to a guy like me that knows not much about day trading and all that stuff. What do you look for in investments and why? Okay, so for what I do for work and what I do personally, two different things. So typically for what I do personally is I do like to do the same thing, buy, hold, and um, try to keep it simple. So like for someone like you who already has a busy schedule and is into real estate, or if it's someone else, whether it's camera guy who's editing videos if you're not 100% focused on intraday trading or day trading just stay away to be honest and just stick to the basics and keep it as simple as just buying the SPY every every month just buy a little bit and keep it simple you have an average return of 8% plus dividends over the course of history and just hold on to it forever and typically that's, that will be your return and it's, it's very liquid so the big difference between stocks and real estate is Typically, especially with you, you have rental properties. Yeah, it's not that that liquid. It's liquid in a sense, but you still have to find a buyer. You still have to close on a deal. You still have to get attorneys involved. Where like in the stock market, if you're investing and you need money like tomorrow, you click a button, you sell a stock, and that money is funded instantly. Yeah. So you should definitely have some diversification, whether it's in real estate stocks or even cryptos nowadays, and you know, so my best advice is, yeah, I, I own a little bit, nothing crazy. Um, best advice is keep it simple. Just with the SPY or if there's a couple of major tech companies or any other companies, banks, whatever, whatever floats your boat that you're familiar with, you buy it and you hold. Typically over a long, you know, course of the long term, you will make money. Um, but some people have a bad... Um, some people don't like the stock market because you have, especially like younger generations or like younger kids, is because they're playing with either options, which is 100% risk. Now the reward's insane. If you know what you're doing, you can make a shit ton of money. You can make 100% overnight, you know, 1,000% or whatever. Um, but a lot of times in, in the end, they go bust because it's all or nothing a lot of times. And a lot of times they're also looking at like penny stocks that trade that are like four or five cents and it's a reason why they're trading a four or five cents or a dollar two dollars three dollars because typically they're shitty companies and they're just looking at the price of the stock instead of the actual return of percentage so like the only thing like if you're buying a stock that's a hundred dollars a share or a penny a share the only thing that really matters at the end of the day is your percentage right like yeah. if you're up 50 percent 25 percent it's all the same it doesn't matter Upon liquidity, not when you're holding it, because if you go bust tomorrow. Right? Correct. Yeah. So, like, if if you talk to long-term investors, majority of the time they're investing in quality companies, and that's why they have a good balanced portfolio. And um, but for like me personally, I like like 
like buy Apple, spies, so just buy like something that's quality company that you know it's going to be around for a lifetime and typically you're good. I would say um, for any younger kids, just stay away from a biotech that they heard at someone from the gym that was like 50 cents. Typically yeah. those don't work out. That's or if you do, you want to just throw like a small percentage of your net worth in there. So talking about diversity, I know you're new into real estate. That's how Correct. we got introduced, Correct. which we'll talk about in a bit. Been a nightmare, by the way. Yeah. So talk to me about your real estate business right now. How many properties do you have, too? So no. So I actually didn't. I did a flip. Was my first thing I did out actually in in uh, Merrick. Completely we bought the house. Great. Botched the construction and holding time. Still ended up making like thirty percent of my money, which is still great. Uh, return, but we could have made way more. So that was my first experience besides my own personal house that I bought. And then I've been procrastinating because I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to deal with issues. And I don't want to do this. But now that I'm getting older, I have kids, I kind of want to leave them back a physical asset that is not as liquid where I can give them a stock and then yeah. they can just go blow it tomorrow. And so I, I'm trying to transition into um, real estate you know, I've, I've messed around with like hard, hard money lending, which is great. You just write a check and you get your 8% every quarter. I don't got to deal with any problems. So decided to buy my first rental property, actually really recently, out in Merrick from a friend. Yeah, which I gave you the electrician. You did for one problem. Now I'm gutting the whole basement. Wow. Actually, Josh was over my house uh, the other day. Give me some pricing. I think your father was going to stop by as well. Um and it's been an absolute fucking nightmare. Excuse my French, but it's been issue after issue after issue. And it's a good learning experience. But when I'm on vacation, because like I was just in Florida uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, and I'm getting phone calls. Oh, someone just kicked in the window of the basement. I'm like, call the cops and file a police report. Like, can you do that? I'm like, I'm in Florida. I, I need to be present if I'm calling the police. Yeah. Or uh, the the sewage pump is leaking out through the, the, the shower floor. Can you call a plumber? Oh, there's no plumbers around? Oh, I got to call Rotorooter. Oh, Rotorooter? They're going to charge you three times the price of a normal plumber or five times the price. I ended up paying like $3,000 Wow. to get like a pump change, some toilets reset. So, and besides that, I've already replaced like carpeting on stairs or put put an oven. So it's been nothing but a nightmare. But it's been a good learning experience because I feel like this is... I'm sure it can get a lot worse, but now we had that major rainstorm yeah. was it, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Basement flooded. Wow. Got mold. Gutting the whole thing. Now I'm getting prices. So um, at least there'll be a tax write-off, I believe. You know. So yeah. And so that's the other reason too is I'm um, a W two employee, so I get I get I get killed tax wise. So I also want to add uh, real estate to my portfolio because a lot of tax benefits and. Um, which I don't have. Yeah. So, but as far as owning a rental, my goal is to, I think I discussed this with you, to get pretty heavily involved in real estate within the next, from now until the next like 10 years. sounds like you want to get more on the passive side. Correct, yeah, yeah. Being active, you'll have to take phone calls in Florida. Yeah, I don't really enjoy that, even though it's fun, but I still... I feel like I need to learn it too. So that's the only way. So in the beginning, I'm willing to be somewhat active involved and later down the road, either have pro- you know property management deal with those problems. Cause I kind of, you got to learn these problems. So if a property man, if you hire a property manager, they can just take yeah. advantage of you, which I'm sure you would know more than me, but 
if you don't know the business or in any business, people like to take advantage of people. Yeah. So you always have, to, I think I, I, mean, I would have to be hands on. It's a good little segment of content right there. So you're saying teach yourself the business first before you outsource anything because you're typically going to get taken advantage of. Correct. So to yeah, avoid that, yeah. you need to be hands-on first. 100%. You give a man a, uh, you know, a pole to fish and you know, teach him how to fish, he'll eat for life. Is that what the whole saying is, right? Yeah. So, um, so even though it's been a terrible experience for the few months, I am learning and it's a good experience. Now, if I would have bought this property, there's no problem. I get my rent on time and nothing goes wrong. And I don't really learn anything. Typically, you don't learn anything in life unless you're actually making mistakes to know what to correct, right? Yeah. Like if I just went into trading because, um, and from day one, I was just killing. I was making money hand over fist, which guys were in 07, the training. None of those guys are around because they thought they were doing everything correct. But when trading got difficult, they didn't know what the hell they were doing and, wow. and literally are out of the business. That's interesting. So I think anything, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're, you, for yourself, who's been doing this for a while now, your biggest, you know, mistakes were also your biggest lessons in life. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, I'm now that I've built a pretty strong portfolio, I speak to guys that used to own properties before 08 and they're all like, oh, I used to have, you know, 12 properties yeah. like wow that's cool you know but back then there was a no money down stuff correct 105% I was, I, I was actually doing uh, mortgages right prior to that and that at right 105% at 105% this is when I was going from I was a stockbroker for whatever how many years 5-6 years and then I went to the mortgage side because what was the interest rate back then oh wow I can't remember what was it like 8, 8%, something wow. like that, 8, 9%, I want to say. And wow. that was for like sub 500 or sub 600, 500 scores, 110 financing, no doc. It was ridiculous. It was wow. like it was like the wild, wild west. And now I think about it today, like I could have had so many properties back then because yeah. I got the management side down. Yeah. So those guys back then, they were like in and out type yeah. of, you know, crazy, right? Yeah. They didn't know how to manage properties for the long term or cover yeah. the debt. They were just buying. Yeah. And a lot of the guys I talk to today, I see that. Like, they're yeah. like, you know, the fact that you're doing that today is yeah. like incredible compared to how it used to be. There were so many unqualified buyers in, it was insane. And that's why the, the financial crisis happened. You had guys that were buying like million dollar homes that probably made $40,000 a year. Wow. It was insane. Wow. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. How are they going to cover that debt yeah. service? That's when the foreclosure market went insane. And to be honest, like we've been on a bull trajectory since basically 08, right? Since like we bottomed out and government bailed out everyone and their mother. And I see a lot of complacency in some parts of the market, whether it's the stock market. We're due for some sort of pullback, but rates are so low, though government keeps on pumping money out there and you know, it is what it is, but I think the banks do qualify people way more, you know, way more now oh than they do now. It's not the same. So yeah. I don't think Even I, at, I don't know if we'll ever have a breakdown like that, but Yeah. On both ends, the commercial yeah. and the residential. Yeah, it's crazy. On yeah. the commercial side, they see my schedule real estate, now that qualifies me. A couple of years ago I couldn't get a commercial loan. You know, today yeah. it's a different planet. But on the residential side I can't qualify for a conventional mortgage. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You don't show enough on paper, right? 
well, yeah, personal income, there isn't much, but mm-hmm. business income, there's plenty, yeah. and they don't care about my Where business. I'm, I'm like the completely opposite, right? Like, I wanna, I'm, you know, I'm currently almost done with my house, and it was the easiest process. And I got like 2.3% 30-year fixed. Wow. Because you show a ton of W-2 income. Yeah. So. How was that home building process? Huh. It was, it was good in the beginning, and some parts... Now it's been over a year, so I kind of I'm getting anxious. Um, I also probably built at the worst time in the history of America to build when inflation is going through the roof, supplies are hard to get, um, prices are through the roof. It's hard to get workers to the job. Lumber is th- ridiculous. Yeah, thank God, like my built my builder deals with almost all that, and you know I pay the bit the big for it. But between my schedule with kids, work, I. I I, I'm more than happy to pay the vig just to move forward, and um, it's worth it. Listen, at the end of the day, everyone's time has a price. So, for me to GC a house, unless I know I'm making X amount of dollars at the end of the project, it's not worth my time. And and just the, just the management of it, I, I couldn't I couldn't manage or f- call up. 15 places to get a quote for hardy board for my house or you know call up 10 you know kitchen suppliers to give me a quote on the kitchen it's just not yeah it's not it's not worth my time yeah you'd rather deal with like a leaking basement yeah, yeah that that too right or a tenant love, breaking a window it wasn't even a tenant so it, it, supposedly it was like a homeless but like someone they should thought they thought someone like Troy was trying to break into the house and cops came they said it's been going around the town that there's a lot of homeless people that are going that are tripping out on drugs and they're going around kicking basement windows not actually going in so yeah but that was fun that was that was that was interesting so you're making good money you want to build a real estate portfolio Correct. what else what's next what do you see next that in the is next five my, years that is that's going to be my main focus I think I've, I've I've done the entrepreneur thing I started a small cryotherapy business it was fun it wasn't again I realized it wasn't worth my energy and time that I was putting in I sold it and then I uh, did you make money on that? I ended up making a little bit of money, whatever it was, like forty or fifty percent of my money after a year. But it was it was a small investment. Then I thought I had a slam dunk you know, getting into the restaurant business. It was the a burger pro- joint. You it was a, yeah, it was a proven concept, and uh, it was a decently sized investment for me at the time. But I thought it was, it was a slam dunk. It was a proven concept, and we kind of overlooked certain things. Um, a New York City is a much different ball game with minimum wage at $15 employment's also a lot harder the size of the place was like five times bigger than any other of their restaurants so there's a lot of you know a lot of arguing and back and forth and again I, I don't like conflict so we agreed to a price I walked away I, I, I took a loss and I was able to, so that's a fortunate part. Um, and I don't think I'll be investing in the restaurant business for a long time. So at, the older I get, the more I realize like you always don't always have to go for the home run, right? Yeah. When I was young, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go for a home, I'm always gonna go for a home run. And then I think with the years come wisdom and like. And you strike out. Yeah. You, listen, there's nothing wrong with failure. Because everyone failed at something. There's no, there's no perfect formula to life in anything. It's, this fail, failure comes, and that's where lessons come 
so the lesson was even if you think you have a slam dunk, you still have to cross out every O, every dot, and make sure. And even at that point, you still don't know. Like even like real estate, your portfolio, you go through all the numbers, right? You know what this should. But let's say we go through a financial crisis again, and no one's paying you. Like it happened with COVID. Fortunately, you had good tenants, and but some people, some people didn't have that. Yeah, no, and, I was and, fine. But yeah. we had we had a house burned down, and yeah. the insurance didn't pay out. Yeah, so things happen that are unexpected that can literally ruin someone. Yeah, fast like, o- overnight. Like, but it's okay. Like, there's worse things in life. So, you, like, we're here. We're talking. We're breathing. And our health is good more important than anything hopefully your family's good and that's more important to me than anything right now what a great outlook I love that it's it's the truth though. like like you're in your early 20s like you don't think about like these things until you get a little bit older but like there's so many worse things going on you sound those. like Steve Yallo right now whenever I'm, something bad happens I'm he, not sure who that is Steve but. right over there alright he used to do the videography work, but okay. whenever something bad happens, he goes, "Well, now at least you know better." There's so many worse things that there can is, it, and it sounds cliche, but it, it's the it's. Listen, when you're young, you think you're invincible and you can do anything, right? In these last two years, I am invincible. We've had COVID. I've been working from home for two years. I don't want to get into politics or anything like that, and whatever. COVID obviously was a. I don't think anyone in their right mind would be like, yeah, the world's going to shut down for a year, yeah, right? Yeah, No shot. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. You're, you're talking shit. So anything can happen. You can't control the outcome of everything. So, so that's like a big thing uh, for me. Like, I don't know. Talking about politics, I see you post a lot about politics. I don't post a lot. On your Instagram I, I mean, stories, on, I'm seeing I, I, a lot. I don't want to say a lot. I, I post here and there. Just well, some, fill, some, fill me in a little bit. Some things I just obviously don't agree with the administration, especially what just happened in New York City is a disgrace, I think. It's not only in the city, right? That's in Long Island, too. No, Long Island nurses are, I'm pretty sure, are good. But um, some disgraceful thing. I mean, I, to me, that's a, the biggest slap in the face, right? You counted on nurses and doctors at the toughest time of this pandemic that were not vaccinated, cheer them on to just say you're fired because we're mandating you to have a vaccine, not taking into consideration if they already had COVID and have natural antibodies or anything, or there's no other way to do it. Like you can't get weekly tested and bi-weekly testing. You're just going to kick them to the curb. And on top of that, so these people have been going through schooling and all this their entire life to get to a point that they have their dream job and say, all right, if you don't take this vaccine that's been around for less than a year, you're fired. And on top of that, you can't get unemployment. It's wrong. I think it's a disgrace. It's a big kick you, you know, big fuck you to anyone in that. Like these people were heroes. They were applauded. Like there was no one else. Like no one, like I think at, at any point, everyone was a little scared of COVID, right? Like especially in the beginning. They were there every day risking their own health, their own well-being, their own families to just say, hey, you don't want to follow our rules, you're fired. I bet all the nurses and doctors or civil servants are going to love to hear that on this segment, which is awesome. It's, 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 it's truly insanity. Yeah, it's wrong. 
And I don't get political at all. No, me either. It's because some people have really taken it to heart and it's just an opinion, right? It's my opinion versus your opinion. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I think it's a disgrace. There's a couple things that are just disgraceful. I'm not going to get into everything of my thought process because I just don't trust anything, especially when they're saying that that when they first came into office, oh, don't worry. You can never mandate anyone to get vaccinated. Things have changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I saw you posting about that today. Yeah, that one. That one really. And, and listen, I'm not. A, I'm not a nurse or a doctor, but I can feel their pain. Like, imagine, like, hey, sorry, uh, there's no income coming in. You, we're gonna apply for like unemployment. Unemployment. But oh, you, you can't. can't do that. Oh, so. Uh, we'll, we'll count on the government to pay us and maybe we'll, if we have a house, we'll lose the house, we'll lose our apartment and we'll figure it out. And, and I'm not, according to the media, correct? Like we're in a high sp- hospital crisis, right? Emergency yeah. rooms are overflowing. They can't keep up with the traffic. I haven't been in a hospital in years, so, so let's so just, let's just, let's just fire nurses and, but this is according to the media, but. Is that all over the country or just New York? Anywhere you turn on the news, they have, they, they have a big problem. No, the firing of uh, nurses. I believe it was just in New York City. Got it. As of, I could be wrong, but I think it was just New York City. Got it. All right. Well, to loop it back to uh, business. Correct. Step away from politics. Before this, we were talking about investments, right? Correct. Investing in businesses or uh, stocks. What do you look for when you invest in people specifically? That was one of that kid's, Chris, uh, Chris's questions. He said, ask him what he looks for when he invests in people. Like, if a kid like Chris approaches you, looks for investment, what are you looking for? First, I got to trust you, right? Yeah. If I can't trust you, then there's no business ever. Yeah. So that's really, like, the the biggest thing. Like, if I ask you a question and I know you're not being truthful, it's over. So, like, I'm a, I'm an open book. When it comes to anything in my life, actually, I'm I'm probably too open. It's a, it's a flaw of mine, but if someone asks me a question, I'll give you the answer, and whether you like it or you don't, that's my honest opinion. So honesty in business is everything to me, um, and that's really like the like the I need to trust someone. If I'm gonna invest in that person, I need to trust that person, and obviously. You know, obviously work ethic too, right? Organization, like standard stuff. But like beyond anything, it's got to be trust. Like you you invest in people, right? You have a All team. Time. Like, you know, I think if you can't trust an employee, you catch them in a lie, it's hard to, yeah. to, de- to devote energy and time and assets to that person. So I think, I think trust and, you know, the, your normal standard stuff, I think. And now what about in a project? Because that is the normal standard stuff, right? Yeah. Trust is number one. Yeah. And then aside from trust, it's like if you're looking at a project, what point are you at in your life? Like, what are you looking to invest in? Quick well, flips, longer term stuff. I'm kind of interested in the whole ball of wax, to be honest. I'm kind of, and I think we had this discussion a little bit. I'm kind of more inclined to, and I definitely want to do apartment complexes. Um, from having a single family rental. I don't like the idea of going to a house to collect one or two rents. I prefer to have everything under one umbrella where I can go, 
get 10, 15 doors, everyone's there, have a project manager. Like that to me, I can. I think you can hire a project, like you need, need to hire a, a, a property management team, yeah. right? Like I don't want to get a phone call at one in the morning to go to a single family home because they have a leaky basement. Well, like you said, you're learning because yeah. honestly, you could hire property managers yeah. on single families too. Yeah, you can, but first one or two years, I need to be hands on. Yeah. That's another thing I hate getting taken advantage of. So, so you're going to learn the ins and outs and then go that yeah, way. Yeah, so hopefully like I learn from people that really know the business. And what I'm realizing in real estate, like it's networking too is a big part of this business, which I never had to do in my entire life, right? So like I've been trading my whole life or not my whole life. I'm 41, so not my whole life, but I was also in stocks prior to. So there's no there's no networking in that because I, I, I trade for myself basically. Yeah. And I'm realizing in real estate, like you can't get an off market deal by looking at MLS. You could find a deal from MLS, but in this in this environment, I feel like there's if there's a good deal out there. There's there's 50 bids in the property, which is sure. It's just, it, it's not the worst thing. Cause that means there's interest in the property, but someone's going to overpay. And if the numbers don't make sense, I'm trying to learn how to crunch numbers. And Where did you find your house? Friend. Off market. Oh yeah. Yeah. How much is that house running you? I paid five thirty, but the rent roll was. Oh, like, not that one. The one you're building. Oh. Uh, all right. So I actually uh, I went to the builder had an open house in Montour Woods, and it was a nice house, forty five hundred square feet, standard builders, you know, build a little nicer. He does a little. He does nicer projects typically than the average cookie cutter home, like nicer finishes. So I went there. His sister was actually the broker, and I said I prefer to move to Merrick. I'm like, oh, we just bought a lot over here, you know, off of uh, in the Lindemere section. I'm like, I drove by. They're putting three houses. I'm like, okay, let's talk about numbers. So I agreed to a purchase price of. One four, and I was a little naive at the time, thinking, "Oh, one four, it's including everything." And then Instagram comes, and then you start doing your own research when you're going through the process. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. So I, from that one four, I've literally upgraded the entire house. So it's not one four. Yeah, it's gonna be after my basement backyard it'll be well over two and for Merrick that's expensive if it was in a different town where I knew I'd get that return back it wouldn't be a big deal but I don't think anyone you know likes to buy a property and know they're upside yeah. down like if I just left it at the, at the at the initial price I was fine I went for it but I don't know I kind of like nice nice things and I, I'm home all day I watch where I work now so I kind of want a nicer environment yeah and $2 million is not the end of the world. You're going to have an No, awesome it's not. Life. Especially at 2.3% interest. You know, it's not Nothing. The, yeah. the only thing is the upgrades is completely out of my pocket. So I've spent all that 100% finance you know, out of my pocket where I would prefer to have finance from the bank at 2.3% because now I have... Because you make much more than 2.3% on your Correct. Bank. Yeah, I can do a hard money lender, a hard money loan, get 8% and do nothing but write a check. Yeah. So to have... You know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars of dead money sitting in a house to me is is not ideal. Yeah. Um, so like leverage is good, and some debt is good, and some that's that would have been good debt to have. Got it. 
Is that where you met Josh? You brought him to that house? Josh Handler? No, not Handler. Josh, uh, with Josh Handler is an awesome guy, by the way. Oh, I know him as well. How do you know Josh Handler? He was actually, prior to real estate, he was doing real estate part-time, and he was also one of the managers at the burger places. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a great guy. I was on his podcast. Was he? Yeah. I'm talking about Josh Duran. So Josh Duran came to my house, um, the rental. I had the issues. I showed him what I wanted to get done. He was getting back to me some quotes. I had some other questions because I wasn't so familiar. I liked, like, my this goes back to, like, trusting and, you know, getting things done the right way. I don't know any of the work. Didn't you meet him through shoes or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that's, so that's a funny story. So during, <laughs> during COVID, like, the early early months, I was, besides being an alcoholic for the first three or four months, I just, just drink every day. Yeah. Gained 25 pounds and... I'm like, I got so bored, like, just because it was the same routine over and over. And we didn't even leave the house because that time was like, you open up the door, you got COVID, right? It's not like how it is today. We can leave your house, no mask and whatever. It is what it is. We've learned to deal with it somewhat. Um, I was just bored at home. I'd just buy like, like $5,000 worth of sneakers a week for like weeks on end, like to the point where I had like a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of sneakers. I'm like what the and in all in all sizes, I was I was thinking as like, like having as like a hard asset because some sneakers typically go up in value um, if you know what you're buying. So I got to the point where I'm like, I look at my wife and I'm like, what the f am I gonna do with all these sneakers I had? I had in my closet. I had like I can probably show you some old pictures. Like it was this overwhelming amount of sneakers. I'm like, what the hell? I'd love to see pictures. So I'm like, all right, let me start an Instagram for fun. I had a lot of time on my hand this time because I'm only working my normal hours from market. Uh, kids don't have any activities. There's nothing else really going on. Let me start an Instagram. So I started my Instagram. I started selling sneakers for fun. And I was doing it literally strictly out of joy because even if I made a single dollar or lost a dollar, it was not having an effect on my life. So the flip like, game. You're having yeah. a good time. It was It was also learn. I like to, I like enjoying to learn new things, right? Like, I don't want to get stagnant with like certain things. So like learning is earning. Man. Like entrepreneurship always intrigued me. So this is I kind of looked at this as like an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial learning lesson. So I started buying sneakers. I started my Instagram. It, it, it grabs attention and yeah, attention. And I was selling sneakers, and I pretty much stopped selling sneakers. And I don't have very many left. I sold the majority, like ninety percent. I don't have time for it anymore. It was fun. It was a COVID story. I did something out of true boredom. Some people have read books and learned some DIY projects on their house. I decided to buy sneakers. Whether you're flipping sneakers, yeah. you're buying rental properties, or you're starting an e-commerce store, if you're taking initiative and you're hustling, then you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. So you accomplished your goal and you're, you're an entrepreneur. It, it, it's a learning lesson too, right? Like, like to learn. I don't know. That stuff always intrigued me because I... Even though I work for someone, I technically, you know, technically I work for someone, but I'm also kind of my own boss because I make what I'm worth for that typical year. Yeah, commission driven, hundred percent. And I, I would never listen. Some people feel comfortable, you know, working a salary job and making what they're making, and no one would think get paid to. But I wasn't. I was never like that. Even though when I was like, I remember like when I was a kid, like 15, 16 years old. I'm like, you know, if I can just make a hundred grand a year, I'm set for life. Back then, that seemed like a lot of money. 
then you get to like 17, 20, and then you get your first job, and some guys are making like 200. Like, if I make 200, I'm good. Then you go to a new job, someone's making 300. You're like, damn, if I can do that, I know I'm good. Then I go into the trading business, guys are making millions. Then you're like, damn, there's a lot of money out there. And you're trying to dream about it. Hopefully it works out. But it took me a long time to get there. And then when you finally... But you still got there. Yeah. When you you finally, know, it took it, you time and you got yeah, there. Yeah, what a great segment. Yeah, We're cutting that for social media. Yeah, and when Siri said how he explained those steps, that was awesome. And then when you, yeah, when you finally get there, like, and you make, you know, over seven figures in a year, you're like, holy shit, it's possible. You, you, you never think when you're like 15 or 16, like, I don't know what you thought was a lot of money when you were 15 and 16, different times now, because now you can make money off of social media. I didn't have any of that. Like, like I was always, oh, you make a hundred, you make a hundred grand a year, you're good. You pay your mortgage, you, you're just set. And then with the you know course of time and things change and money changes and inflation happens and you realize that, that that's not a lot of money. And then you surround yourself with more people that make more money. You realize that there's a lot of money out there that you can make. You just hey, you got to put the effort in. I'm, I'm naturally like a lazy person. I don't like to deal with some shit, but... You put the effort in. Yeah, you, 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 I put the effort in mentally, like, stressful. Like, my job is very mental, which I was I was trying to say, because it's, it's a skill, like a discipline skill, and understanding what to look for, but it's a mental game. So I think, like, that's the biggest exercise, just training your mind. Wow. So. Well, Alex, I'm happy you came out to the podcast, my yeah. man. It was it was a fun it was it was a weird experience because I've never done anything like this. So. Well, it was a pleasure having you. You killed it for sure. I bet people are going to love this. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to hear it. And yeah. shout out to the nurses out there and everybody else. For real, and like I say, the chant that everyone knows about that's going on. But uh, yeah, it is what it. Listen, there'll be better days tomorrow. Exactly. And if it's not a better day, it'll be a better day after that. We got our health. That's matters. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Alex is a beast, clearly, and what a good guy. He's soft-spoken, but he's huge, if you couldn't tell from the camera. Guy's like six foot three inches tall and like 200 pounds of pure muscle. I had no idea that he was, uh, he's in so many different types of businesses, and he's doing all of this just from the comfort of his own house. But his new house is coming out sick. I drove by it recently, and I definitely have to say it's stunning. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and drop a comment if you have any questions or something to say. Share this with another stockbroker or people that you think could get to where Alex is at or anybody that could get any value from this. And uh, follow me on all social media platforms. Don't forget, I post this stuff in segments all the time and tons of different content. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I'll see you at the next one. Peace. You are now listening to Talk Shop with Alan Avgi.